This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today.
Today, we're uncovering the lie of experience, the lie of experience. And, you know, our, our culture is, is dominated by this prevalent philosophy that experience trumps everything else. And, uh, in fact, the lie of experience says my vantage point is greater than those around me, so I can trust my perspective. And the reality is uh, truth and perspective and wisdom is only found when God's vantage point is recognized as being so much more uh, superior than our own. And so we have to come back to God's vantage point and, uh, and thank him uh, for it. And so, and, and, and really look to it, to it for clarity. Now, here's a key thought as we begin. Perspective is always closely tied to praise in the Christian life because only worship lifts the shackles of self-centeredness. That's what we're going to go today, that our, our blinded mindset is always blinded by self-centeredness. And God wants to free us from that self-centeredness that we're so prone to. And the only way to free us from that is through a true heart of praise. Now, what is praise? Well, in our text, Psalm 119, we're going to go to verse number 33. In verse 33, it says, uh, it says, hey, that's the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. Now, we've studied the word hey. It means to lift a hand in praise. We studied that a few weeks ago. Uh, but we also uh, realize that that letter is, 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 is about praise, meaning beholding something or showing the excellence of something. So when we praise, we say, God, your way is more excellent than my way. Your perspective is more excellent than my perspective. And, and we live a life uh, subservient to this perspective that we find in Scripture. And let me tell you something. Uh, as I was a young adult pastor uh, for 12 years, I saw something creeping into our culture that dominates our culture now. And it says that if my experience is my perception or is my reality, and my perception is my reality, then therefore my experience and my perception is my truth. And that's really dangerous to say that what's true to me is true to me, regardless of if it's true to you or not. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how there's some outside truth that the Holy Spirit's going to give us from the Word of God. And, and he tells us in Psalm 119, 18, open thou mine eyes. And I hope that's your prayer this morning. God, please open my eyes. Maybe show me something I haven't seen before. Now, I've met a lot of people who would not come to church just because they were not open-minded or open-hearted enough to see what God's side of the perspective was. And so David said, open my eyes. He's admitting, admitting that there's things that he doesn't see or can't see. He said that I may behold wonder, the wondrous th things out of thy law. Now, there's two undeniable aspects of the perspective that we can have based on God's truth. First, it's that God's truth is the only objective perspective. There is no objective perspective outside of God's truth because everything else is tainted by this world. Everything else is tainted by our own lens that we're viewing the world, right? So the only outside perspective is God's perspective, meaning the truth that man couldn't have come up on its own. And it always cracks me up how people say, well, man just wrote the Bible. And I always say, well, man penned the Bible that God told them to write. But no group of men 
uh, on three different continents over a period of 1,500 years, could write it in three different languages with many different backgrounds on many different topics, and nothing disagrees. You say, well, there's this one passage and that passage. It's all one story. It all fits. It's about everyone looking toward Jesus in the Old Testament and worshiping Jesus in the New Testament. Friends, everything tells one story, that Jesus came to reconcile you to your Creator. That's the Bible in a nutshell. And the truth that we have from God to man is given to us. And it's our choice whether or not we'll receive and protect that perspective. Now, here's the question I want to ask, and we're going to spend a couple minutes answering it today. We're not going to be long, but I hope that you'll listen, and I hope that you'll take these notes and really study them. But I want to ask this question. How do we get God's perspective? And then once we have it, how do we protect it? That's a fair question. How do we get God's perspective? And then once we have it, how do we protect it from being tainted by our own lies, by our own deceit, by our own perspective? Okay? So, so let's, let's ask the first the question, how do we get it? Okay? Well, number one, God's truth gives the only objective perspective. And I want you to notice, uh, first of all, that truth enlightens our experience, not the other way around. Truth enlightens our experience. He says, teach me, O God, the way of thy statutes. The word teach is to point. It's, it's like a, a professor uh, using uh, a, a rod or, or nowadays they use these, uh, these um, uh, little pointers. I don't know if you can see it, but uh, a little laser pointer. And uh, don't worry, I won't point in your eyes. I don't want anyone going blind. They're pointing to all of the students. They're pointing all the students to focus on one concept. And that's what this word is. It's the Hebrew word yara. It means to, to, to shoot at a target, but it means to point and to push in a certain direction. He said, I want you to push me in the way of your statutes. And that's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to be enlightened by God's statutes. He says in verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe thy commandments. Now, here's a lie of experience. The greatest lie of experience, I believe, is the, is the fact, and we've heard this all before, experience is the best teacher. Now, it's a good teacher, don't get me wrong, especially failure. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good teacher. But it's not the best teacher. Why? Because if, if all that we have to learn from is failed experiences, then why do we have the Bible in the first place? The Bible is supposed to circumvent and help you to avoid some of those negative consequences. So yes, we can learn from our mistakes, but friend, God loves you enough to give you the, the, the hack code to not have to go through all of that hardship. You see, the way of the transgressor is hard, but, but he that keepeth the law, man, happy is he. Does that, does that make sense? And so the lie of experience is that experience is the best teacher. But God's truth gives wisdom that experience could never give because it's an outside perspective. It's a perspective before you've ever experienced it. Now, David, man, he did not hold back when he talked about how great it is to have God's perspective on things. This is what he says. Now, this is not what I'm saying. This is what he's saying, okay? This sounds, this sounds really bold, but he says, Thou through thy commandments hath made me wiser than mine enemies. Well, that's good. You want to be smarter than your enemies. But then verse 19, he, he, he ups it one and says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Uh-oh. 
He's had some great teachers. I mean, David, at this point in his life, had had some of the best teachers. I mean, he had the prophet Samuel. He had some people speaking into his heart and life. I mean, think about Jesse. Think about all the people that that had spoken to David, all his advisors and all the people around him helping him. And then he says, if that wasn't enough, he says, I uh, understand more than the ancients. Oh, you don't say that. I mean, the ancient scribes and the people who had been studying, some of these men had, had memorized the entire uh, Torah, the entire Bible at that time. They had memorized it, and David was saying, I have more understanding than them. Was David being really narcissistic and prideful? No. What was he saying? He was saying, if you'll know God's perspective, you'll have understanding that no one man in their lifetime could ever compile. But what does the Bible teach that gives so much wisdom? I want you to notice it's in our text. Verse 33, it says, teach me. It doesn't say teach me the statutes. What does it say? Teach me the way of the statutes. That's way different. You see, experience gives a way, but God's truth gives the way. In fact, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when he said, teach me the way, he's saying, I want you to give me the statutes. And the word statutes, we've studied this before, it's the divine boundaries. It's universal conditions. Regardless of what continent you live on, regardless of what background, regardless of the mistakes you've made, we all live by the same universal reality. And, and the same predetermined limits and prescribed perspectives. So the key thought here is that God's truth does not just make life better, it makes you better at life. And that's just not a great slogan to go on a wall. Friends, that's, that's something to live by, that yes, it can make life better. And I believe everything's better with Jesus. I didn't say everything's easier, remember last week? <laughs> hey, everything's not necessarily easier, but man, everything is better. And life can be lived better through the life that God offers now, how do we know that? Well, one of my favorite verses in Psalm 119, I've been waiting, right, five weeks to, to share one of my favorite verses, and it's Psalm 119, uh, 130. It says, the entrance of thy words gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. I'm a really simple person, and, and I grew up in Iowa. Um, there, I'm, I'm, I'm not complex. I'm, you know, there's, uh, I, I, you know, you heard the, the phrase, uh, if, if you're the smartest in the room, you're, you're in the wrong room. I've never been in the wrong room in my entire life, right? I mean, it's just, uh, there, there's, there's, there's brilliant people, but I don't put myself in that category. But I will tell you something. I love this verse because it says, even those who are simple can understand complex things. Even, even when things that you don't feel like you have the ability to understand, you can understand them. Why? Because the entrance of God's word gives light. It's the reason why when I was first starting out in the ministry about 20 years ago, I, I, I felt so inept and I felt like, man, uh, there are people who are older and wiser and been done it, doing it longer. And, and, and I was pastoring uh, down in Fontana at the age of 20 and I was feeling like, oh my word, what am I doing? I'm out of my element. I'm, I'm out of, out of, out of the, uh, the, the norm that you would normally wait to go. And, and God just said, listen, my, my, uh, my word is enough. It's sufficient. It has the understanding that you need to do the calling that I have brought you to. And so experience is good. It can lead to wisdom. But experience is only a good thing as long as it's not the main thing we're relying on for our wisdom. 
Because then it becomes a prideful thing where we're thinking pridefully. And here's the live experience. It's in your notes. It's, I know enough and I have been through enough to handle what I'm facing. And friends, none of us can handle what we're facing. None of us. None of us have the strength. None of us have the ability to handle what we're going through. None of us uh, can overcome the, the, the faults and the failures that we've uh, been so prone to. We must not attempt to bend uh, the truth to our experience to say, well, this is my experience, so I'm just going to live my life this way. Instead, we must bend our experience and how we're feeling toward the truth. We do that through our living. A lot of people say, well, how do I know when truth goes from my head to my heart? It's when you live it out. And we, we understand that, that our experiences, no matter how terrific or tragic, uh, are, are just that. They're experiences. They're not the truth. See, the key thought here is that truth is not a matter of opinion because absolute truth transcends any interpretation. A lot of people say, well, that's your interpretation. And I, and I say, yeah, there's lots of different interpretations, but there's only one truth. There's only one absolute truth. So regardless of how I view the truth, it does not change whether or not it's true. Now, here's the greatest lie of experience for the younger generation. Okay, I said overall the greatest lie is that experience is about seizure, but I want to give you the greatest one that I think the younger generation, as I've been talking to thousands of young adults over the last, you know, 20 years, here it is. That if it's true to you, it's true to you. And if it's true to me, it's true to me. But if it's not true to you, it doesn't mean it's not true to me. It's my truth versus your truth. It might be true for you, but it's not true for me. That's really dangerous. Why is that? Because truth is not something, according to God's word, truth is not something that is unique to you or unique to me. Now, no matter how many celebrities we hear say that, the most powerful thing you can do is speak your truth. Well, the problem with that is I don't possess truth. Truth is something that is not something that you can put a possession on. For instance, if Sarah were to compose a song, she's an amazing pianist, she's our pianist here, and just graduated from Cal Institute of the Arts and did an amazing job uh, with her senior recital. But if she were to compose a song and she played it for Isaac and Isaac decided he liked it so much, he was going to publish it and put his name on it, she might have a problem with that. Why? Because she wrote the song. And he's acting like it's his song when really it's her song. Now, here's what our culture's been doing. We've been acting like it's our truth when really it's God's truth. And, and you say, well, what, wait, wait a second. God doesn't speak everything about the world in the Bible. Well, listen, all truth is God's truth. But it doesn't mean that the Bible contains every truth that has ever been revealed by, by God. For instance, I'm so thankful for the medical professionals in, in the room. And I'm thankful for Dr. Eugene, who helped us start New Life. And and, and I'm thankful for all of the, the technology that's going into trying to find uh, a cure for coronavirus and a, and a vaccine, right? But everything that God reveals to us, that's general revelation. And he is giving us this, this revelation. He's giving us this truth. And we need to understand that it's a gift from God. It's something that God gives. And so we don't have truth. It's God's truth that he gives to us. How do, how do we prove this? Well, in verse number uh, 151 of Psalm 119, he says, all thy commandments are true. Verse 152, thou hast founded them forever. Verse 160, the, the, thy word is true from the beginning. 
meaning it's always been true, it's always been God's, and it is his perspective. So God's perspective is the only objective perspective. Now, uh, when I was getting my graduate degree uh, several years ago, and we were studying philosophy, and, and, and when I started going into the psychology portion of my degree, I started realizing that everyone views certain principles in different ways. And if you sat down with 10 different people, they would have 10 different perspectives of the same truth. But if your perspective differs based on what God says, it doesn't mean that what God has said has changed. It means that you're viewing God's perspective a little bit differently. So number one, we need to understand that God's perspective is perfect and that it's completely objective regardless of how we're viewing it. But once we view it the way that he said to view it, what happens is God gives us his word and then Satan and the world around us and the lies within us, we start to distort that truth. We start to warp that truth. We start to change that truth inside our minds. And that's why we're preaching this series and teaching this series, Truth Be Told. Because in a time where there's so many lies prevalent, I wanted to elevate the truth. So number two, I want you to see, and finally, that a truth-based perspective must be protected. A truth-based perspective must be protected. Now, an unguarded truth, unguarded truth of any kind, will always be distorted. If we're not protecting the truth that God has given, it'll always be distorted, always be warped. Now, we've studied this, this phrase before, but in Hebrew, the word for guarding something is the word shamar. It means to carefully notice or see if there's anything unusual to beware of something that's dangerous. And one of the most dangerous truths in our society right now is that self-love is good. Now, self-care during a time like this to take care of your body and be healthy, that's good. But when it crosses over into self-worship and when it crosses over into self-centeredness, when we become our own center of our universe, we start to self-destruct. And you see it every single time. And so God's trying to pull us away from ourselves, and this is what he says in verse 34. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart, meaning your word is going to be the linchpin in my entire existence. I'm going to observe it. Now, the choice between self-love and Christ-love is a choice between truth and deceit. Why? Because the second greatest lie of experience among the younger generation, at least, is if it feels good to me, it must be good. If it feels good, it must be good. How can something that feels so right be so wrong, right? And that's, what, that's what's constantly, uh, you know, put in front of us of, of, man, that just feels right, so it must be right. But the key thought here from the Word of God is that, the, that truth sets us free from our selfishness and allows us to live the selfless lie or the selfless life that God has called us to, to live. So truth sets the selfless free. But deceit keeps the selfish in captivity. Now, let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free or set you free. Now, why did he say that? Well, the next verse tells us why he said it. Because the Jews at that time, they were in bondage to their own tradition, to their own religion. And this is what they said to the response of Jesus, the creator of the universe, the son of God, saying, the truth will set you free. This is what they said. Well, we're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? 
We don't need to be made free. And I have people tell me all the time, I don't have, I don't believe lies. I mean, you're going through this thing. I don't believe lies. And the reality is, that's a lie. <laughs> because we have the seed in, inside of all of us, we have the seed of deceit. And so the greatest spiritual bondage is spiritual blindness. Because it's the, it's the prison of pride that can only be seen from the outside. I can see your pride, and you can see my pride, but I can't see my pride, and you can't see your pride. Isn't that crazy? So we need the truth to expose those lies. So the lie of experience says, because I have been through so much in a particular area, I am the exception to the rule. Yeah, I know that God's sufficient. Oh, but this time. <laughs> Yeah, I know God's the healer, but, I mean, have you seen the numbers? Like, I know God wants me to believe the truth in this area, but if he only knew what I was going through, he'd give me a little bit of slack in this area. And the reality is he just wants you to live according to his truth. And when we live out that truth, we protect the integrity of what he said, and we live it out. Now, when we start to distort it, though, letter B, distorted truth will always be discarded. So if we start to distort the truth, what ends up happening is we just throw it away and get a new lie. Does that make sense? So we thought that things would make us happy, and when things don't make us happy, we, oh, okay, well, experience will make you I need to go travel. And we start traveling, and that doesn't make us happy. So, so we stop believing that lie, and we start believing another lie. And we're just basically going through life trading out lies and trading out these, these you know, false uh, premises that the devil tries to give us. Now, how do we know this is true? Because David says in verse, under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David says, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. He's like, I can't keep your way if you're not going to give me your wisdom. Like, there's no possible way I can possibly live out relationships and life without your perspective, without your understanding. It's impossible. And I will tell you the same. And so the best way to protect something, David found, was to strengthen it from the inside. I want to give you this word picture. This is so wonderful. I was studying understanding. And, oh, yeah, that, that's the word Natsar. Uh, uh, and then I realized, wait a second, what does that sound like? Netzar, Netzar, Netzar. And I'm like, oh, Netzer. Netzer. And I'm wondering, are those connected? And they absolutely are. Netzer's with an E. Netzar is with an A. But Netzar comes from Netzer, which is where we get Nazareth, the sprout, the sprout that grew the tree that gave us freedom from our captivity. See, the Netzer is, is, was named that by the Romans, Nazareth. And they named Nazareth, Nazareth, because they wanted everyone to know that no matter how much you besiege this military city, we are stronger on the inside than we are on the outside. And you can't take a fortress that's, that's getting stronger on the inside. It was a, a statement of strength on the inside. And so that's what we have to do. David said, I run in the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. He said, first, my heart gets bigger. It gets your perspective. Then I can run the way you want me to go. And he says, I've run until the end. My heart will perform thy statutes all way until the end. And this is what he says in verse 33. I shall keep it unto the end. Now, the Hebrew word for end is, just means the end. 
the, the, the completion of it. And we have to protect something by thinking about what's going to happen in the end. Now, I'm going to give you two quick illustrations, and then we'll be finished. And the first one is I want to tell you about a guy named Henry Gabon. Henry Gabon uh, is from Manchester, New Hampshire. This is his picture. And the, the picture, although it's a little blurry, above his picture there is, is the picture of a game called Fun Tubs. It was a carnival game there in Manchester that in 2013 he decided to play, and he really, really wanted to win the grand prize. It was an Xbox worth about $100. Xbox Connect to be exact. And so he went and he played this game, and he kept playing. And at $300, someone said, you really should give up. This game is rigged. You know all the games are rigged, right? You know, it's like they, they, they make it so it's basically impossible to win. He kept playing. He could not stop playing. He said, I finally figured out I was the sucker. But he said, I just wanted to win so bad that the feeling of wanting to win trumped my reason and logic for knowing that I was wasting my entire bank account. And in one day at that carnival, he lost $2,600 to this one game. Guess what he walked away with? The Xbox worth $100? No, a foam banana worth six. And you know the saddest part about it is his two-year-old son watched on, not, really, not realizing that his dad was wasting every penny their family had. You know, it's amazing. We think that the lies we're believing just affect us, but they don't. And, and, and sometimes an emotion of feeling can push us to the point where we stop believing the truth. We stop realizing the reality that God has in his word because we're too, we're too pimped up with pressures and, and emotions and anxieties that, that we have from everything that's going on around us. And so here's a key thought as we finish today. And it is this, that a clear perspective, no matter how clear it gets, no matter how much experience, no matter how much we've studied even God's word, a clear perspective left unprotected will always be corrupted. I want you to remember that. But truth-based thinking, when you base the truth on God's word, when it's truth-based thinking, it frees you from self-centered living. Why? Because you and I are our own worst enemies. And if we're living by our own rules, we will always lose. But when we live by God's rules, we always win. And here's God's number one rule. Love him and love others. What does that mean? It means that the new you, the you that God has given you, if you're a child of Christ, if you receive Christ as your Savior, that new you must outgrow the old you. You feed the old you and you'll always struggle with your view. You'll always struggle with your perspective. Why? Because God never meant you to live in the past. That's not where you're going. You're going to a future. You have a home waiting for you on the other side. You have people who want you to grow in this body of believers. And God is saying, listen, it's not time uh, to, to feed your old selfish habits and your old selfish passions. Now it's time for you to live by my truth. So here's the takeaway. And the takeaway is this. Boys, I want you to come up to the platform for the final illustration. I'm going to have my boys help me for the final illustration. 
Here's the takeaway. God's pathway to free you from the old you is by living a life based on what he says is true, not based on what you feel is true. Okay? So let me read the passage, and then I'll give you a final illustration. We'll get out of here. Remember what it says. It says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. With my whole heart I shall observe it. You see, when we make understanding, when we make God's perspective our, our guide, our, our way of viewing life, our worldview, everything starts to get clearer. You know, there's a choice when we come down to truth and lies. I want to I illustrate this choice with something that I saw happen this week. And I said, boys, you, you, you've got to help me with this. You've got to help me because this is exactly what's happening in our culture. And it's exactly what David's pointing to in the word of God here. And it's this. If you're listening on the radio, uh, my boys Chandler and Camden uh, were playing laser tag. By the way, this laser tag set that, that someone gave them for Christmas, it's been a quarantine lifesaver, okay? Um, not for some of the uh, breakables in our house, okay? All is forgiven. Uh, but, but it's been a fun thing for them to do inside. But I was watching them play this week, and I realized that sometimes Camden would, would shoot the, the, uh, the vest, and it would light up, but Camden didn't hear it light up because sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes Chandler would be kind of hiding the, the receiver. And see, if he turns, turn your back. If he turns his back, no matter how much Camden shoots, it's not going to register. But see, that's just, that's just delaying the inevitable. Because ever so often, Camden would, would get around the corner, turn around, and he would shoot that laser. And when he shoots that laser, it goes into that receiver, and it makes this explosion noise. Friends, let me, let me illustrate it this way. When that laser leaves this laser gun and it goes to there there is nothing that is going to stop that laser but the person receiving it and I will tell you something that I realized about God's truth God's truth doesn't change but we do and lasers don't lie it's the reason they use lasers to lay foundations it's the reason we use lasers uh, to, to make sure something's level why because it can be trusted Lasers don't lie, but people do. I do. And the things around us can never be what we use to level our lives, to guide our lives. But if we will use the laser of God's word every single time, it will be true. Every single time, it will allow us to avoid consequence. Every single time. But when God's truth comes out of the laser, you have a choice to make. Will you receive it? Or will you just act like it's not true? Will you, will you muffle the sound of God's voice this week? Or will you let his wisdom direct your way? See, friends, all we can do is study God's word and try to live it. But Satan and the voice inside of you and the world around you 
They are constantly trying to get you to believe that there's something wrong with the laser. Friend, there's never been anything wrong with the laser. The word of God is true, as true today as it's ever been. But many times the sad thing is people just stop believing because people have wanted to cover. It's easier to cover yourself from the truth than to open yourself up to the truth and deal with the consequences. You know, I don't know how many, how many times you've won, Cam, and I don't know how many times you've won, Chan, but regardless, there's been some times where Chandler had that moment where he wanted to cover, but, he, but his brother was like, come on, be true. Stop covering the vest. And that's what I'm going to ask for you today. I'm going to say, hey, stop covering the vest. Those things that you're trying just to say, well, it, but it feels, I know God says that, but it feels, just open yourself up to it. And allow God to expose the lies that we've all been believing. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.